We would like to thank FirstNet for their support of this podcast. This is Key the Mic, a podcast on the leading edge of fire service innovation. I'm your host, Inanna Hinky. Join me as we unpack today's emerging issues and the minds and tools at work to solve them. Your standards and pours or your Moody's or your Fitch rating starts years before you actually go. And when you're talking about $60 million, just a percentage, a tenth of percent can mean a lot of money to your taxpayers. Today, we welcome Chief John Oliver back to the show to continue our discussion about bond strategy. If you tuned in last episode, you will already be up to speed on Chief Oliver's recent success in assisting his agency, Central Kitsap Fire and Rescue, to pass one of the largest facilities bonds in Washington state history. Central Kitsap not only did this during the pandemic, but also with a 75% approval rating from their community. Chief, last time we spoke, you acknowledged that planning and campaigning for passing of the bond was a pretty laborious process, but also that it was actually the easier part of the whole bond cycle. So after the vote had been tallied and your bond was approved, what were the first thoughts going through your mind? I really had to take a step back and realize the journey had only begun. Of all of the promises that we had made Now we had to deliver. The capital projects that lay before us were daunting. We just began the journey one step at a time. For those listeners who don't rely on bond funding for their agency, give us a sense of generally what do you do when you have a bond that's been approved? Special districts, specifically in Washington and most Western states, we rely on property tax. And the majority of our property tax goes to the day-to-day operations of the fire and rescue agency. And when you have major capital purchases like fire apparatus and fire stations, often we go to the voters and ask for the voters to support to bond indebtedness. So that's what this bond was about, is it was 20-year promise from the citizens that they would pay off $60 million worth of debt. Our first step was actually borrow that money. I understand that there are different ways to structure that bond debt. What approach did Central Kitsap take? When you bond indebtedness as a public agency, you have a whole bunch of different modalities. But what we chose was level levy debt. We promised our citizens that it would cost 32 cents a thousand of AV. That helped us message our needs. And it helped the citizens go, okay, this is what you're going to get. And this is what it cost us for 20 years. And that's what a lot of citizens nowadays really want and desire. There's so much skepticism with government in general. You want to say, this is what it's going to cost. No more, no less. I know that you went and you worked with a municipal advisor versus a traditional broker-dealer for this process. What was your reasoning behind going with one versus the other? Well, one, it was the amount that we had to bond indebtedness. And traditionally, when you go out and bond for a fire apparatus or maybe one or two fire stations, you can use the traditional broker-dealer where you have a broker-dealer that actually represents you. But they also represent the purchasers of that debt. And 
I don't say there's a conflict of interest there, but the broker dealer does not have an actual fiduciary responsibility to get you the best rate and structure the debt the best. And the municipal advisors actually have a fiduciary responsibility to the agency to get the best rate and the best structure. We were very happy, specifically since the amount of this bond, we had to go to the actual open market. Previously, a lot of our bonds were just sold in the local market. A credit union or a bank could buy the debt. But when you're talking this size, we actually had to go to the national market. Do municipal advisors work with all different sizes and shapes of bonds? Can you only go to them in certain situations? I'm just wondering for perhaps maybe smaller or larger departments who are also going through this process. It seems like because they have this obligation to really help you, that would be the obvious choice. But are there certain cases where you cannot go to those folks? No, municipal advisors will work with any size public agency and really any size debt. Generally, most people have gone with a broker dealer because they have a relationship that they've established with that broker dealer over series of years or series of bonds. Our finance team analyzed that and actually just went with a municipal advisor. Both of them go different levels and different amounts of debt. Gotcha. There are several different rating agencies that can be used for this process, but what was your bond rating experience with S&P, which is the one that I know you went with? Moody's, S&P, and Fitch are the three main rating agencies, and we picked Standard & Poor's because they knew our industry. And when we talk about fire and medical services, and we talk about bond indebtedness and how fire departments work, the S&P actually was very familiar with the fire service. So that's why we chose uh, S&P to get our rating. And did you enjoy working with them? Well, I wouldn't say I would enjoy it (laughs) because it's literally a third-party agency that went through my agency with a fine-tooth comb. But I could say that they were very pragmatic and they asked very, very good questions. It was pretty fascinating. I'd never been through a bond rating process. It was quite the interview with the Standard & Poor's board. Are there any kinds of questions that you received that other agencies should be prepared to answer so maybe it doesn't feel as much like a grilling when they're going through this process? That's what surprised me the most when we had to get to our bond rating is that they looked as much as our past performance that our future performance. So they looked at our policies, our financial policies. Are they update? Are they comprehensive? They looked at our history of bonding and indebtedness. And then they looked at our performance how we performed year to year. Do we put capital reserves away? Do we run in the black? They really looked at year and year. And what's even more fascinating is they went deep into our organizational structure. They wanted to know my dossier. They wanted to know the makeup of my elected officials. They wanted to know our finance team and their backgrounds and their certification It was a pretty fascinating interview. I thought literally they were going to say, all right, how much money do you have in the bank? And uh, this is what you're going to get. But it was a really comprehensive look. And if there's a takeaway from that, your standards and pours or your Moody's or your Fitch rating starts years before you actually go. And when you're talking about $60 million, just a percentage, a tenth of percent can mean a lot of money to your taxpayers. So tell us about the bond sale itself and 
why you chose to go with a competitive sale versus a traditional negotiated sale? So the competitive sale, when you go out to the open market, it was pretty fascinating. Like at eight o'clock on XYZ, your indebtedness goes out into the open market and then people literally have minutes to bid on it. And that is risky if the municipal bond market is soft. For example, the time when we went out, interest rates were record low. But we looked at the municipal bond market and it was surging and it was strong. So we chose to go to competitive sales versus our traditional negotiated sale. And the traditional negotiated sale is really what a broker dealer would do, is that they would go and they would say, this is what they want to borrow and what's your best rate? And they really negotiated. When we went out the competitive sale, I believe we had eight bidders and they were from all over the nation to buy our debt. And we got a 1.38% margin on it, which was actually, if you add up inflation right now, our citizens are paying 0% interest on that debt. So it's risky because you could go to competitive sale and no one would bid. So it does take a little bit of legwork and a little bit of background work to see if competitive sale is right for you. But when you get up into these bigger margins, often the competitive sale is a better deal in the long run for your citizens. So now that you have all of the bidding and selling straightened out, what were your first steps to begin the actual construction process? Our first steps were to go and visit some other public agencies that have managed projects of this size. This was nine different fire stations all being built simultaneously. So we went and talked to some school districts. We talked to some other larger fire districts that had the same number of projects going. And really, we interviewed them and we used their experience to help us chart our path. When you put out the projects, what methodology did you use for the construction aspect of it? That's interesting. I went places where I never thought a fire chief would go, to be totally honest with you. Traditionally, fire chiefs and fire districts and departments build what they call design, bid, build. And really what you do is you hire an architect and you design the building. And then you take that design and then you go out to open market and then you bid it. And then the lowest bid, and then you select it, and then you build the station. And that's how we did the first half of our $60 million bond. But there's a new process, and it's called GCCM, or General Contractor Construction Manager, or Design Build Bid. And those are new approaches to fire service in general, because generally the fire services, we had never been in this arena. When you're talking 60 million, 90 million, $100 million worth of capital projects, those are bridges. Those are skyscrapers that public agencies have built. When you get into that arena and that size of projects, these hybrid design and bid and build projects really start to come to fruition. For example, our phase two projects that we're going to begin on, we believe we will go through GCCM. And GCCM is, is where you actually hire a contractor to design it and build it. And it's all one package. It's very complex and there's every state has a different procedure, but just know that there's a whole different design, bid, build project approaches out there for fire service. Now that due to inflation and the cost of building, we're getting up there to the price that traditionally was a bridge or a skyscraper. 
how have you continued to engage with the community on the implementation aspect of this project? That's a great question. So specifically, we've had virtual town halls when we're done with the design phase of the fire station. So we just had one with one of our fire stations and we had a town hall with the homeowners association and the Grange area. And they came in and we showed them, this is what your fire station looks like. This is how it will be placed on the lot. These are the lighting implications that we talked about. These are the traffic. So as each fire station gets to the finish of the design phase and you're in permit, we're meeting with those community members to alleviate concerns of a fire station being built in their backyard and also to show them the progress of the bond. You mentioned inflation earlier. How are you dealing with that on such a large scale project? Well, that's the challenge we have right now. You know, not only are our supply chain is broke in the United States. I don't know if I'm going to get garage doors or even toilet seats, but inflation has really taken off. And we had a big scare there with the lumber market when it took off and went quadruple almost, but the lumber market have come down. But predominantly, a lot of these fire stations are bricks and mortar and steel. What we did is when we had our capital facilities plan, we put escalation clauses on all of our fire stations. So we looked at the debt, and we looked at our performance requirements for the IRS, and we staggered each fire station build on a calendar. And then we added escalation costs, 10%. Even some of our later projects almost have a 20% escalation clause. And those were hard things to swallow as a fire chief, but I'm glad I did it. I'm glad that I put those costs built into our program so we can actually produce exactly what we told our citizens we would deliver. Do you also have a category for contingency spending? Like just in case XYZ happens, we have to set additional money aside in order to accommodate because you know nothing ever really goes exactly according to plan. We do. A lot of the contingencies we find out is the lot. You could have the fire station and you could buy the piece of property, mitigating the implications on the site have become way more significant than we ever thought. For example, here in Washington, the closer we get to the water, the more contingency funds we had built into those projects because we knew we were going to mitigate a lot of stormwater. I'm curious to know, other than the price, were there other factors you were looking for in a construction company or architect for working on your buildings? When we're talking about a construction company, Often we don't get to choose because in Washington, we have to select low bid. But what's interesting right now is what we're seeing is, is a lot of the civil construction companies are coming and bidding on these projects. The residential housing market is completely on fire and it's exploding on the West Coast. But civil projects, heavy civil projects have really slowed. So these big corporations are actually coming and bidding on our projects. And they have quite the dossiers. They have a significant amount of infrastructure to build these types of projects. This is a 20-year project, so you're nowhere near being finished, but having gotten as far as you have come, what are some key takeaways for our listeners in how to be successful or how to stay sane, I guess, as they're working through all of the ins and outs of this process? I think the first thing that I learned is that make sure you have a really high quality finance team. 
And the finance team starts even when you begin the capital project process and then after the election and the bid award and throughout construction. And having a very comprehensive and a very capable finance team is invaluable. Second, what I've learned is that I took staff and I assigned them to this capital projects and that's their only job. What we found of talking to a lot of the school districts and a lot of the other public agencies is when they're working with an architect or a contractor, if they don't have somebody there to make a decision tomorrow at three o'clock, it can put a whole different impacts on your building project. So I was lucky that we assigned one of our assistant chiefs who has building background and his sole job is the capital projects. And that was invaluable. I have heard that, that it takes a significant amount of time working directly with the architects and the folks who are actually boots on the ground, making the building go up. That's great that you were able to bring somebody in who was already a part of your organization who had experience in that regard. And again, that's what, you know, one of the lessons I learned at the beginning of this is that leverage your human capital. You have so many people in your fire departments and cities and that have skills and abilities to really help the agency be successful. Is there any other part of this process that you would like to speak about and share with our listeners today or anything that I didn't ask about that I should have? I think the biggest one and leave this with other fire chiefs is I'm really good at pulling hose and spraying water and fighting fires. But when you get into capital project this level, reach out, reach out for help some of my peers in the Washington fire chiefs have reached out to me and one just the other day said that they are going out for a $250 million capital bond. And again, due to the inflation and the cost of construction and where we're at, uh, these massive bond amounts are the future. Reach out to your fellow fire chiefs and other public agencies that have had the experiences of going for these types of bond. And it was invaluable to me. I've been in places the last few years that I had no idea I'd be as a fire chief. And thanks to all of you for tuning in. Stay safe out there. And until next time. For more information about our podcast and today's episode, visit our website at keythemic.org. That's keythemic.org.